0: Welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, getting inventions out of the labs and
1: into the market. Every time I have used a customer-centric approach and looked what the customer needed and then developed the the solution, I've succeeded. Every time I started with the technology or the, the invention and said, why won't these people take it, I've failed.
0: In the greater Washington region, we have more smart people thinking things up than you can possibly imagine. It creates the perception that in our federal labs, our government contractors, and universities, literally are hundreds, if not thousands, of inventions available to become the next great company. Bob Smith is director of innovation commercialization assistance program for Virginia at George Mason University. Bob's an expert on this field, and we wanted to talk with him about this today.
1: Bob, thanks for joining us. So, Bob, what the heck is tech transfer? Uh, well, tech transfer is there's a lot of smart people, like you say, and a lot of universities and a lot of federal labs and other labs uh, coming up with wonderful inventions, uh, state of the art technologies. And um, the idea is that you would ultimately commercialize them and bring them to the market and somebody'd use them.
0: So, scientists in our midst spend a lot of time thinking things up. It's like Bruce Willis with Armageddon and NASA, right? You know, let's think things up. Things like the internet, GPS, uh, robotics technologies, these are examples that have been commercialized. A great invention or a great idea
1: in a lab isn't a company, right? No, and and usually inventions are created for a purpose. There's innovations and there's inventions. And I always like to say that you've always, the innovations may be broadly applicable. Inventions usually are created for something. So quite often research programs say, well, we want you to build an X. The federal government might ask for that or the state government or some company might say that, for instance. And an inventor might go out and invent X. Um, that doesn't mean X is applicable 35 other places, but it does mean that there may be innovations as part of that invention that could be used in other places. The trick is finding out where else can you use those innovations or, for that matter, that that invention.
0: So give me an example uh, from your current work where a federally funded or a university-derived invention became a product.
1: Um, well, there was a really interesting one. I, I uh, work in a program called... Um, it's a part of the NSF I-Corps uh, program to, uh, to try to commercialize technologies out of federal labs. And I uh, co-instruct a course called uh, FedTech. And a couple of semesters ago in one of our cohorts, we had a group that was working with a technology out of the surface warfare uh, community in the Navy, which was this aqueous foam, basically suspended glass balls in a foam structure. It was created for a very specific purpose for the Navy, And we use that technology. The Navy asked us to try to figure out, well, what can you do with this thing? So we sent this team of kids out to go out and try to figure out what would you do with it. So what we do in our process is we say, go and find a market. And the way you find a market is you talk to people. You talk to people who might use it, and you ask them, how would you use this and why? And it's a very specific technique, and it was pioneered by a guy named Steve Blank. Uh, It's a customer discovery process in Lean Startup, so that's what we teach them. Well, the kids went out and they talked to auto manufacturers. They talked to you name it, looking for a way that you could take this hyper-strong, hyper-light material and maybe use it in cars, maybe use it in different places. Nobody wanted it. They didn't need it. The current alternatives were much better. So here's this wonderful invention, state-of-the-art, cutting-edge, nobody needed it. Eventually, they got around to talking to people that were building deep-sea submersibles. Well, it comes out, what do you need in a deep-sea submersible? Well, you want... in. No weight and incredible strength because the less weight, the more payload. They found a market. So now, this one company that's working on this one invention is basically looking to commercialize supplying a material to manufacturers of deep sea submersibles. So, while the inventor, when they invented it, might have thought, well, everybody needs this, <laughs> who wouldn't need really light, very strong material? The truth is, people get by without it. Now, what I find interesting is when I look
0: at your background and career, being involved in various commercial startups, AOL and and others that you've seeded or been part of leadership of, you're a commercial guy. You understand the importance of having a customer. Do you think that's really the missing link for a lot of these uh, technologies and people coming out of the labs and so forth? They just don't understand that a customer is what really matters?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's and in fact, the program that I'm currently running, one of the things that we're changing about it as I'm taking control of it, Is In in the past, what we did was we tried to validate technologies, which is what a lot of tech transfer offices do. You and I, you will remember, you and I were at George Mason a long time ago, and we were in the, uh, I always call it the, is it a thing? You know, is this thing a thing? And we'd go, I don't know if it's a thing. And the, the reason was that because they were asking us to validate the technologies and to extrapolate whether this thing could have a market. Well, nobody can tell you that. The only person who can tell you that is your prospective customer which is one of the reasons why uh, National Science Foundation got together with Steve Blank and put together this NSFI core program. Because the only person who can really tell you if that technology is worthwhile as a commercial property, is a customer. And as you know from the companies that we've worked on in the past, there's plenty of companies without tech- with plenty of great technology that will build product all day long and they have no customer and they can't tell you how they make money. And those are the ones that tend to fail. Mm-hmm. And as I tell in the courses I teach, Every time I have used a customer-centric approach and looked what the customer needed and then developed the, the solution, I've succeeded. Every time I started with the technology or the, te- uh, or the, the invention and said, why won't these people take it, I've failed. Mm-hmm. So a
0: lot of people look at the billions of dollars that spent in federal R&D, if not the tens of billions of dollars that spent in federal R&D between the universities, the federal labs, small businesses that get R&D contracts what's your policy prescription for what this region needs and should do to really take advantage of this technology and create great companies what's missing
1: well i I, um, I think it's there, there is no shortage of smart people pursuing this problem there are um, there's there's a large number of tech uh, companies that want to be formed there's that so there's 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 resources about it what I've found mostly is I think that the um, I, I am most in favor of, of a sort of common methodology. So in other words, because of the programmatic way everything goes around a state like Virginia, or even the federal government for that matter, there's a lot of people doing different thing, uh, the same thing differently. right? So they all say, okay, well, I want to do lean and I want to do an incubator and I want to do this. And they all do them. Well, what's the standard? What's the qu- What's the quality check? How are we making sure they're doing it the same way and providing them some scale from common resources. So what I the one thing I think is missing is this, and I think I'm I'm hoping that I can provide in my program is to say, look, we'll we'll help you do different things the same way. We'll bring in a little bit of expertise that people know how to do these processes, people that maybe have domain expertise in the area somebody's looking at, and we'll stay with you and stay with you during the process of birthing that company or, or and figuring out exactly what that technological impl, uh, implementation should be, exactly what IP you need to make that work, and, and do it in a way that, that everybody can benefit and we can gain some scale from a little bit of know-how as opposed to completely distributing the know-how and letting it operate completely independently.
0: So Bob, before I let you go, if I am interested in this assistance, if I want to participate in tech transfer, how do I plug into these
1: resources that you described? Um, well, uh, I work part of my organization, or I, my organization, I should say, uh, is part of the Virginia Small Business Development Center Network uh, under George Mason University. And uh, so we have offices all around the state of Virginia. Uh, I think there's 23 of them or 22 of them. Uh, and uh, they can work at, uh, through any of them. They're in most of the universities uh, in, the, in the state. And um, my program uh, goes around the state and hosts uh, sessions. Uh, on a regular basis, I'm having one in January at a James Madison University, for instance, and they can look in on, on our website at uh, www.vasbdc.org/icap. Write
0: that down, <laughs> Bob. <laughs> as always, it's great to have you, and uh, good luck with this endeavor. It sounds really important.
1: Well, thanks, Jonathan. Always good to see you.
0: Thanks for listening to What's Working in Washington. A special thanks to our sponsor, Eagle Bank. How do you get to be number one in the D.C. area? Eagle Bank did it by putting relationships first. They're flexible, involved, responsive, strong, and trusted. Eagle Bank's goal is your success. Our executive producer is Tracy Madigan. Our online writer is Barbara Ulrich. Music provided by two D.C. region bands, two-car living room, and the Sunbathers. And let us know who you think we should be talking to on the show. Tweet us at at what's working D.C. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Thanks for listening.